Well, this morning we are in for a very, very special treat and a day that I've been very much looking forward to for a while because we have a guest speaker in the house. Mr. Reggie Dabbs is here to share the word this morning, and I am so thrilled and excited about it today. You know, Reggie, we were speaking this morning, and he's been in full-time ministry for 38 years now. And one of the things that I love most about Reggie is that even after 38 years of ministry, really his primary ministry is still speaking to students and being on campuses. And as we were talking about that this morning, it really hit me. Let me tell you something. When you've been in ministry for 38 years, more than that, it takes the anointing of God and the favor of God to still be speaking on campuses. And he does that all over this country. And not only that, he does it all over the world. And he also speaks in some of the greatest churches in the world on the planet right now. So we are so thrilled that we get to have him here this morning. But before he comes up, I want to tell you a story real quick. And I don't want to take any of his time, but I feel like this is poignant today. Some of you have heard me tell this story before. But about 20 years ago this fall, it was on the Friday night after Thanksgiving in 2003, I was in a service down in San Diego, and it was actually a youth meeting, and I was sitting there lost, having wondered from my walk with God. And I was in that meeting that night, having been invited there, and I hadn't been in the presence of God in some time. And that night, a man got up to play, to first of all preach, but then he took out his saxophone and he began to play. And he reached the end of the song, and even though the track stopped, he just kept worshiping God on his instrument. And he went on and just kept playing Amazing Grace. Acapella. And I stood there for the first time in the presence of God in a few years in my life. And I stood there in that moment and just leaned into the presence of God. And I said, God, it's been a long time. And God said, I know, but I haven't forgotten about you. When you're you're ready to come back, I'm here waiting for you. That night was a turning point in my life. And the man who played the saxophone and spoke that night was the man who's in the house with us this morning. And I waited 20 years to meet him face to face and get to tell him that story. And I wanna tell you, Bridge family, our students are in for a treat this week because he's gonna be speaking to our students, but we are in for a treat this morning because he is here with us. Hey, y'all, would you do me a big favor? Let's put our hands together and give a huge welcome to our friend, Mr. Reggie Dabbs, as he comes to show. Good morning. I'm tripping over your church. It's good to be here. You ready today? I don't know who, I, now I know who invited me and what an introduction. Thank you so much. God's good. Um, Southern California. Mm. Look, let me just lay it down for you, okay? Um, my name Reggie. I live in Dallas, Texas. I was born in the great state of Tennessee. So I'm a southern brother. Do y'all realize what you did? You invited a southern black preacher up in your southern California church. All right. So, so let me just start by saying, if you've ever seen a Medea movie, it's about to go down just like that. Some of you are like, let's go, all right. We can make that happen. I need to let you know also, it's just an honor to be with you today. Uh, let me do this. Uh, always we uh, title our sermons. So the title this morning in your early service is simply this. Now you gotta help me. You have to do this for your neighbor. Touch your neighbor, look him in the eye and say, everything's gonna be all right. Turn to the person on the other side of you. Do it again. Say, everything's going to be all right. 
If you got a Bible, turn to John chapter 16, verse 33. If you don't, I think it'll be on the screen. Here's our scripture for the day. The Bible says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Somebody say amen. Amen. If you have a Jesus who's gotten you through troubled times, say amen. Amen. If you have a Jesus who helped you wake up this morning, say amen. amen. If you know the scripture I just read and it's alive in your life, say amen. I just thought I'd give you a little taste of where we're going this morning. Some of you are ready. Some of you are like, we went to the wrong church this morning. <laughs> but I need to let you understand where I'm from. I'm, I'm, I'm from the hills of Tennessee. They call it the Great Smoky Mountains. And on any given Sunday morning when church starts, usually sometimes the choir will come in from the back doors and just rock their way to their place up front and and it's just one of those things. And some of you uh, beautiful California people have no idea what I'm talking about. So with the help of my friend, Little Debbie, which is my soprano saxophone, I named her Little Debbie because she's sweeter than a tasty cake. If you don't get that, it, it, that's just so good right there. It's so good. So I need you to take one hand, put it right here like this. Take the other hand, put it right here like this. Now real fast, put it together. That's called a clap. And you're going to need that in this song because this song simply says, he's my deliverer. He set me free. If you know what I'm talking about, just clap a little and let's just get this going. Here we go.
Somebody say, all right, all right, all right. Go ahead and sit down. That song made me sweat. That's all right. I'm, I'm a southern preacher. All southern preachers sweat. If they don't sweat, they ain't south. Somebody say, everything's going to be all right. Ladies and gentlemen, in order for this to work on this early service, I have to convince you to get in my boat. Just take a little trip with Reggie. Is that all right today? Y'all good? Now, now, when we get in the boat, I don't know. Everybody's been saying it's hot here. Y'all don't know heat. Come to Texas. We know heat. <laughs> it's just like a warm breeze on you today. I like it. Texas, there's no breeze. It's like Satan is your next door neighbor or something. <laughs> so I need you just to reach over, touch your neighbor and say, he's telling the truth. Touch your other neighbor and say, it really happened. Her name is Tara, T-A-R-A. She lived in Dallas, Texas. She was the only child, her mom and dad and Tara. She loved school, eighth grader on the volleyball team. Student government, she played the clarinet. Don't look at me after church and say, nice clarinet playing. Big black people don't play clarinet, all right? It's a saxophone. But you know what Taylor loved? She loved December 26th, the day after Christmas, because her, her mom and dad would get on a plane and fly to Denver, Colorado, get in a rental car, and drive up in the mountains. And for six days, she got to go snow skiing with her parents. I say her parents. Now, dad, he was all over. But mama, not so much. Mama dressed like a skier. Mama looked like a skier. But mama stayed in the lodge. <laughs> but Tara and her dad, one time, they got up early, got the first flight. They got up to the ski mountain. It was 11 o'clock in the morning. She grabbed her skis. Dad grabbed his. Mom grabbed her book. They went up and slid down. Went up a second time. But it gets dark fast in Colorado in the wintertime. Dad said we can only go halfway. They went halfway up. As they were coming down, he was in front of his daughter. And he knew her voice. And he heard, huh. That's all he heard was just one squee. And he stopped his skis and he looked back to see his daughter laying by a tree. Her skis got crossed and she fell. And she, even though she had a helmet, her head bumped a tree and she was unconscious. The paramedics came with a sled. They put her on it, went down, put her in an ambulance, took her to the hospital. If we fast forward three hours, a doctor came out of the do not enter sign at the emergency room, looked at Taylor's mom and dad, and he simply said, I'm sorry. There's nothing we can do. In one hour, we will turn off the machine. I'm sorry for your loss. Some of you are already starting to regret the fact that you got in a boat to ride with me, but just hang on because if you don't understand Tara, then maybe you can understand Heather. Everybody say Heather. Heather had five brothers. She was the only girl. Her and her mom against the world. That's what it was. Her dad was one of the most incredible neurosurgeons the world has ever seen. He worked for five different hospitals in the Atlanta, Georgia area. He was amazing. Though he would get up early and come home late, his kids knew that there would come one month, four weeks, where they get to go on the best vacations they've ever gone on with their dad. 
So they knew what he was doing was saving lives. And Heather, she wanted to be just like her daddy. She came, she waited, waited, waited for him to come home. He would tell her what he did that day, who he saved. And she's like, Daddy, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make A's. I'm going to do it. I'm going to go to school. I'm going to be just like you. I'm going to be just like you. But there's something he did. Everybody touch your neighbor and say, check this out. Hit your other neighbor and say, you're going to like this. He took four weeks and went on vacation with his family. Then he took four more weeks and he flew to Africa. Some of you are like, what did he do? He would schedule surgeries in Africa on people that the doctors there would not touch. Because they had uh, HIV, AIDS. If you cut yourself and you're helping someone with HIV, AIDS, and your blood mixes with theirs, you could catch this thing. But he knew that people were worth saving no matter what they've done or where they've been or what's in their life. And he used it as a witnessing tool. This guy was something else. He would go to Africa, he would consult, he would do the surgery, and then he would say this, right before the day of the surgery, he'll say, you relatives, it'll take about six hours. I need you to go call your family, call your friends, call your uncles, call your neighbors, bring them back to the hospital. When I get out of that surgery, I want to come and tell you why I came to Africa to save your loved one. The conference room would be packed with relatives. He'd walk in and he'd say, they're going to be fine. They would start hugging him, giving him gifts, and he'd go, no, keep your gifts. I think I've earned the right to tell you this. And they would sit quietly as he would start like this. I am here because of who Jesus Christ is in my life. And he'd witness to them, and he'd lead people to Christ. Muslims turning to Jesus. People who are atheists turning to Jesus because this man from America would come. Man, that's amazing. And Heather wanted to be just like her daddy. Isn't that cool? One day... She finally got her chance. She became a doctor. Took many years. But the day came when she got to pack her bags and go to Africa. They had lined up her surgeries too. She got to witness. She got to lead people to Jesus Christ. She was so excited. On one day, her dad was in surgery still. She knew he'd be there, but she got to leave 22 family members to Christ in the conference room. She couldn't wait for him to get done. So she was waiting outside the surgery room. But it wasn't time, but... Her dad came out of the surgery room, immediately went to the, the, the sink, and he turned on water, and he was mumbling to himself, oh, my God, oh, my God. As he put his hand under the water, she walked beside him and saw the cut that he had on his hand where his blood has mixed with the blood of someone with HIV AIDS. There's a medicine you could take, but they didn't realize he was allergic. He went into this horrible sickness. They had to get him back to America. They're in Johannesburg. It's one flight on Delta that can get them to Atlanta. When she got on the plane, he was in 21A. She she was in 21B. She checked his vitals as they were filling the plane. She knew something was wrong. She knew that he could never make that flight. And as she started to pray, the plane took off. He was falling asleep. She let him sleep. She went to the bathroom, locked the door, and she began to beg God to save her dad. If you don't understand Tara and you don't understand Heather, then I don't know what's wrong with you, but I got two more. Now, everybody look at me. You have to understand that the Bible says in John 14, verse 1, do not let your heart be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. Dude, that is incredible. That's Jesus talking to us. It's a red letter verse. It's written in red. That's God telling us, if you trust in God, trust in him. The same hand that held the waters back is the same hand that can help you on a Sunday morning. The same hand that made a crippled man walk again and a blind man see is the same hand that can touch you today. Ladies and gentlemen, you got to understand, uh, pardon me if I seem a little rough on the edges. I don't get to do a lot of sermons. 20% of what I do 
is in front of church people. 80% of what I do has named me, according to CNN News, the number one high school motivational speaker in the world. I do 1.5 million kids around the world face-to-face every year. Our tour starts the second week of August. I am in Sweden in August. I'm also in London, England in August. And we start a school tour that will span every nation, every nation that we can get in, we go. Every state in the United States of America. And I'm here to proclaim to you the one state that has locked us out forever has finally said, please come. And I'm doing five tours in California this year. Haven't done that in 25 years. I am not able to say the name of Jesus, but guess who's going with me? I don't have to say his name for him to do what he can do. You have to understand to me today. Hear me out today. God's moving. It may not look on Fox News or CNN News that he's moving, but listen to me. The same hand that made this planet is the hand that's running this planet today. Don't grow weary in doing good. Don't get off sight. He's still real and he's still on the throne. If you agree with me for five seconds, just give him praise right now because we know he's still here. He still cares. Don't let your heart be troubled. Heather's in the bathroom praying that God would do a miracle. There once was a boy, six years old, went to school for the first day. When he got to his classroom, his teacher said, what's your name? He told her his name. She said, find the desk with your name on it and sit there. When the bell rings, I'll take attendance and we'll start. Now, y'all know this. When they take attendance at school, they say your first name and your Except this boy. All she said was his first name. She did it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. On Friday, he walked up and said, why you only use my first name? Everybody else has two names. On everyone's desk, it's two names. Except mine, it's just one name. What's up with that? And she said to him, you don't have a last name. And right then, that boy knew he was different. A week later, they had this thing called parent-teacher conference. I hate parent-teacher conference. If you hate parent-teacher conference, clap your hands right now. You hate that day. Now we know who all the bad students were. Sorry. Oh, let me lay some on you. Um, I've, I've got good news and bad news. If you are a teenager, I've got good news and bad news. The good news is tomorrow when the buses head to camp, you can still come and spend four days with me. The bad news is if you're a boy, you ain't going. Because there's only seven girl spots left to go to camp tomorrow. If you're a parent and you have a teenage girl and you think they need hope, you need to put them on the bus. Some of you are like, well, what if they don't want to go? They kids. <laughs> See, now this is going to get me in trouble because I'm in California. We know you California folk. But I grew up in a different time and a different place. Anybody know what I'm saying? I mean, I grew up in a different world. For example, if you got in trouble at school and they called home before you got home, when you got home, oh, are you kidding me? I, I've heard this. I don't know if it's true. In California, I heard if your kid gets in trouble and they call you and the kid comes home, you'll look at him and say, you got to behave. I'll take away your Xbox. If that happened to me when I got home, tomorrow I went to school with a limp. But I'm in California. I know, y'all. I know. Anybody ever talk back to your parents? I ain't never done that. I've never. I had a dream once. Woke up in a cold sweat. 
Literally, I heard kids look at their parents and say, I hate you. I wish I was never born. Go in their bedroom and slam the door. If I did that, my mama would pull a Chuck Norris on the door. And tomorrow I go to school with a limp. You know what I'm saying? It's different, man. Y'all different. California, I heard about you guys. I heard that when you come home from work, your wife is in the front yard to greet you. Where I'm from, if I come home from work and my wife's in the front yard, I forgot something back at work. I'm going to keep driving. She's going to call on the cell phone. I saw you. I said, baby, I'll be back in an hour. Give her a chance to calm down or something. I'm starting to think that some of you may have grew up like I did. What do you say? Let's find out. Let's do a Reggie test. Sometimes when you get in trouble, your mama look at you and say, wait till your daddy gets home. Hear that sound? We got some transplant people up in California today. So now here it is. Uh, Here it is. We're going to find out if you grew up like me. In my realm, where I grew up, there's a famous daddy phrase. And I'm going to have you finish it. You ready? Some of you are telling yourself right now, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. No. It's just going to come out because it's just human nature. You know what I'm saying? So you're in trouble. You're in your bedroom. You hear the car. You hear your mom going, yo son did yo daughter. See, whenever it's in trouble, it's always mine. If it's some good, it's hers. All right? So the dad comes to your bedroom, opens the door, walks in. Y'all ready? Finish this statement. Hey, I brought you into this world and clap your hands, y'all. Come on. Parent, teacher, got this little boy, his name was the first one on the list. Both mom and dad showed up, walked in, sit down. Teacher talked for five minutes. When it was over, they walked outside. That's when it happened. All this boy's friends were with their parents waiting for the meeting. And he noticed something. All his friends' parents were young, but his parents were old. And he's thinking to himself, why are they old? So he waited till they got in the car. He's in the back seat. They're in the front seat. They're pulling out of the school parking lot. So the boy yells to the front seat, hey, why y'all old? Don't ever do that, all right? (laughs) Hey, look at me. Don't ever do it, little girl. Don't do it, all right? If you think your people old, keep it to yourself, okay? When they got home, the dad said, we got to talk. So they put them at the kitchen table to have a talk. Anybody ever been to the kitchen table to have a talk? If you haven't, don't go. Hey, little kid up in the balcony, don't do it. Look, if you don't smell food, run, girl, run, okay? When they sit down, the dad said, son, there's a plan for your life. The boy said, yes, sir. The mom said, baby, I'm sorry. And the mom started crying. The mom cried for 10 minutes. The dad moved chairs, held the mom, took until she calmed down. Finally, the dad said, tell him. And when she spoke, this boy's life was changed forever. All she said was, baby, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You don't have a last name. I'm old because I'm not your mom. And the father whispered, I'm not your father. She said, you have a brother. His name's Keith. You have two sisters, Annette and Jeanette. Your mom 
She kept your brother. She kept your sisters. But your mom said that you were a mistake. And she hated the day that you were born. But that's okay. She gave you to me. And we're going to be okay. I was your mom's favorite teacher at school. And we're going to take care of you. Are you all right? And the boy said, I'm fine. Thank you for taking care of me. He gave her a hug. He hugged his foster care dad. He said, I got to go to school tomorrow. Went to his bedroom and he cried himself to sleep. By the time he was 13, he couldn't take it no more. 3 a.m., wide awake, just staring at the ceiling. A voice in his head said, you should give up. Nobody cares about you. You should give up. You should give up up he started to cry in his bed because he started thinking about giving up on the gift of life and when he started to cry his bedroom door opened listen to me if your bedroom door opens at three o'clock in the morning run okay (laughs) forget all those scary movies who loves scary movies put your hand down and shut up what's wrong with you people you know why you love scary movies ain't nobody told you the truth i'm gonna tell you the truth little boy look at me you know why reggie don't like scary movies black people die first in scary movies all right i ain't going out like that Oh, by the way, it wasn't the it clown that walked in the room. You know who it was? It was his foster care dad. His name was Bill. Everybody say Bill. Bill was a school janitor till the day he died. He walked in the room, looked at that little boy and said, I, I, I'm sorry. No, I know you're sad. I heard you crying. And the boy said, how? His room's on the other end of the house. It ain't like he was doing the ugly boy cry. You know the one. It wasn't like that. The dad said, every day you hug your mom, but for the past two days you haven't. Every day you talk to me, but for two days you haven't said a word. So I knew something was wrong. So last night and tonight after your mom fell asleep, I grabbed a pillow. And for the past two nights, I slept by your door. And this morning I heard you cry, what's wrong? And the boy said, I don't know what to do. If you don't understand that boy, if you don't understand Heather or Tara, I'm running out of, I'm running out of options, okay? I only got one left. Her name is Shannon. Everybody say Shannon. Shannon. She was something else. Senior in high school. She's on the basketball team. She's the point guard. Her senior year started. She lived in Iowa. There ain't nothing in Iowa. Corn and pigs. No, no, real pig, not people. Shut up, all right? <laughs> every morning she would drive to school and have early morning basketball practice every, every day on Thursdays. And she would work at the pizzeria. It's called, what was it called? Pizza Ranch. That's what they call it in the Midwest. That's what she did. But on one morning she did something we all do. Let's just be honest. Anybody in this room, I got to say it right. Has anyone in this room ever done something that was so good but so wrong? Let me, let me explain it. Has anyone ever had your alarm clock go off and you hit the snooze button? Everybody look at me. You ain't slept until you sleep after the snooze button. Your bed ain't good until after the snooze button. The temperature is too hot, too cold. But after the snooze button, it's all good. If you know what I'm talking about, just clap a little bit and let me know. If you know what life is after the snooze, you ain't had no dream until you have a dream after the snooze button. Somebody say amen. But how many of you know reality's coming? 
All of a sudden, the sun is shining through the curtains a little brighter. The birds are singing a little louder. That little girl, Shannon, all of a sudden, it was like, ah, I'm late. She jumped up, grabbed her clothes, got in the car. She's flying down the two-lane highway, getting to school. And I don't know if you've ever done Has anyone ever been going down the interstate, heading to work, and you look behind you in the rearview mirror, and there's somebody coming up on you, like, really fast? So you just have to do what you got to do. You just slide over and let them go by. And when the car comes by you, you just want to see who it is. Mario Andretti, who's that? And as it comes by you, first of all, you realize it's, it's a lady. And she has one hand on her eyeliner and the other hand on the rearview mirror. And she's driving. Okay, look, now some of the ladies start to look at me cross-eyed, easy. I know what you got to do. You got to do what you got to do. If you're going down the road, you can't get in a wreck and not have eyeliner or lip gloss on. If you get in a wreck without your lip gloss, what self-respecting paramedic going to do mouth-to-mouth on you when you got crusty lips like that? So you got to do it. I'm not making fun of anybody. All I know is Tara, she had the rearview mirror. She's doing, she's looking at the road, and I guess she glanced too much. All of a sudden, she heard, Boom! She pulls over, and she's like, I hit a dog. It might have been a deer. And all she remembers is seeing a bicycle. Bicycle. Literally, that's all she remembers. She wakes up, and she's in her bed. And she took a deep breath, and she looked over in the room, and her mom and dad are sitting in the corner. And that's when she realized it wasn't a dream. Her dad said, baby, do you love me? She said, yes, daddy, I love you. He said, do you trust me? He said, yes, daddy, I trust you. He said, listen to me. It's going to be okay. We're going to get through this. But there's something you need to know. You hit a lady on a bicycle. And she did not make it. She started weeping, crying. The doctor gave her medicine. She went back to sleep. It's one thing if you're the person. It's another thing when it's your child. How do you walk through this? Now, halfway through this sermon, uh, we're pretty much there. You got to understand, some of you are like, this has got to be the most depressing sermon I've ever heard in my entire life. Well, I got good news, and I even got better news. The good news is I ain't done yet. And the better news is I still got 12 minutes and 39 seconds left. Somebody say, all right, all right, all right. Now, I'm a little early, so I got the keyboard player. He's going to come and help me because that lets you know that I'm starting to head down to the end of this rainbow that we're in. But you got to understand, too, I only gave you half the story. Tara, Heather, that little boy, and Shannon, I only gave you half. And I'd be wrong to literally stop this sermon now and say, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his light shine upon you. Have a good depressing Sunday. Have a good day. I ain't going to do that to you. There's somebody online right now going, why am I watching this? And now they're going, I can't turn it off. I got to find out what's happening here. You just have to. But I need to let you know that I got to give you the other half of the story. I don't know if you can remember everything that took place. But we're going to back up and let's finish it. But right now, everybody touch your neighbor and say, everything's going to be all right. Touch your other neighbor and say, everything's going to be all right. Do you remember Tara? Remember skiing with her mom and dad? Hit her head 
on life support. They're going to turn off. Yeah. Let's go back. The doctor said, one hour, we're going to turn off the machine. One hour, we're going to turn off the machine. He says, I'll be back. I'm, I'm sorry for your loss. They moved the girl into a private room. The mom and dad are in the room. All of a sudden, 20 minutes into the one hour, the door opens, and a doctor walks in. And she jumps up. She goes, no, you said one hour. He says, no, listen. He says, hear me out. Every time something like this happens, I tried to find a, a silver lining. I don't know. I, I, I went to the computer, and I found something. He said, there's a girl in Phoenix. Arizona. She needs a heart transplant. If she doesn't find one in seven days, she is not going to make it. And I checked, I checked the blood. I checked everything. And your daughter is a perfect match. I came to ask you, can I have your baby's heart so another little girl can live? So I got to move fast. I can give you 10 minutes. I'll come back. I'm sorry to do this to you, but how can Kyle come back? When she, he came back, she was in the hall and she said, promise me one year from today, when December 26, promise me that I'll be able to meet the girl. Promise me, promise me you'll do everything in your power to make that happen. He goes, I promise. She goes, okay, okay. Jump forward one year, one year, one year, December 26. Instead of taking their little girl skiing, all of a sudden a mom and a dad without their little girl gets on a plane to Phoenix, Arizona. When they get to baggage claim, they're shocked as they look up and see the doctor from the hospital in Denver is there. He said, I took time off. I got a rental car. They want to meet you right now. They want you to come to their house. They get in the car and they drive to the suburb outside of Phoenix, Arizona. When they pull up to this house, there's a man and a woman standing in the front yard. Listen to me. When someone saves your child's life, you don't have them ring a doorbell. You don't have them knock on a door. You meet them in your front yard. All right. There's something about gratitude we have to do. Some of you need to know today. Jesus said in the book of Revelation, I stand at the door and knock. If any man opens the door, I'll come in. You need to meet Jesus in the front yard this morning. They're hugging, hugging. Everybody's crying. Even the doctor's crying. And they said, do you want to meet our little girl? They said, yes. The crazy part is, when they opened the door to the house, the doctor had already been to the house. He hooked the girl up to a monitor and they had a speaker so that when they opened the door, all you can hear is Tara's heartbeat. All through the house. Tara's mom is like, is that my baby's heart? That's my baby's heart. And everything was good. To this day, they're still family friends. And every December 26th for one week, this mom and dad goes, and meets the girl that they saved. Why is that important this morning? Because we were born in sin, we live in sin, we die in sin. But Jesus made a way to separate sin from the sinner. And he says in Romans 10, 9, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will, not you may, not you hope, not you can, you will be saved will be saved so even in death he's real even in death we win even in death we survive because we got Jesus if that's you clap your hands right now y'all remember Heather in a bathroom on an airplane those things are little especially when you're this big she was in there for 40 minutes praying that God would heal her dad. All of a sudden, she heard this. 
They have a sign that says occupied. Who knocks on the bathroom door when it says occupied? There's a reason why that sign's there. I'm handling my business. You need to leave me alone, all right? She opens the door and there's three men standing there. She looks at them and she goes, excuse me? And one of the men says, we were wondering if you needed help. You've been in there 45 minutes. She goes, I can stay in here as long as I want. She's from Atlanta, all right? So Heather started rising up. She take off her earrings. It's about to go down, all right? Oh, y'all understand that too here, don't you? All of a sudden, one of the men said, we're doctors and we were wondering if you're sick, we can help you. And she did the whole story. She goes, I'm a doctor with my dad. She explained the whole thing, cut himself. He's allergic to the medicine. We're trying to get to Atlanta, but his vitals are falling. And the three men started laughing, literally started laughing. Who laughs when you say your daddy's dying in seat 21A? Now she's really taking off her earrings. And all of a sudden, one of them said, oh, y'all do know this is all true, okay? This is like the craziest thing ever. Do you know who I am this morning? I'm not Reggie. I'm the biggest, blackest Hallmark greeting card from heaven you have ever seen in your entire life. So you need to just go ahead and read this card and find hope on a Sunday. Anybody hear me say amen? Watch this, watch this, watch this. They start laughing. She goes, why y'all laughing? I can't believe you're laughing. You're doctors, you're laughing? They go, no, 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 no. You don't understand. We're three of 99 doctors on this plane. We're going to Atlanta for the World AIDS Conference. The medicine your daddy needs is in my bag. And I'm in row 22, seat 8. No, 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 no. Y'all got that California cool breeze thing going on when you need to let that get on the shelf for a second. They could have been on any plane at any time. They could have been on a plane with a bunch of clowns going to a clown convention. They were not. They could have been on a plane with a bunch of plumbers who need to pull up their pants and say no to crack, but they were not. They were on the right plane at the right time. You're in the right church at the right time. Somebody needs to give him praise this morning because he's real. He's real. He's real. Somebody say everything's going to be all right. I think I said crack. Okay, but let's just let that go. Sir, please let your daughter still come to camp. All right. You remember the little boy didn't have a last name. 13 years old wanting to take his life. His foster care dad walked in the room and told him this. He said, I'll love you to the day I die. His foster care dad looked at him and he said, I'll never call you Reggie. Hey, y'all get it? I'm Reggie. Mama, let me hear it is. My mom slept with a man for $20 to get food for my brother and two sisters because her husband left her because they got evicted. I'm the result of the $20 bill. My mom kept my brother, kept my sisters, but she said I was a mistake, so she gave me away. I grew up in foster care. A school teacher whose husband was a janitor raised me, and at 13 years old, that janitor came in my bedroom, and he told me that Jesus loved me. And he led me to Christ. And I'm the number one communicator in public schools in the world. Somebody say, everything's going to be all right. Come on, somebody say, everything's going to be all right. Oh, man. Her name is Shannon. 
she had a difficult time. She didn't want to get out of bed. Anybody ever been that depressed? <laughs> she woke up medication and her dad was there with a sandwich and her dad again said, baby, do you love me? She said, yes. Do you trust me? She said, yes. He said, baby, there's something you got to do. You have to get in the shower because we got to go. We got to go to a man's house. She goes, what man? He said, baby, look at me. The husband of the wife you hit. If we go to his house today at five o'clock, he's not going to press charges. But he said he has something you need to know. He says, mom's coming, I'm coming, our lawyer's coming. But you got to do this with your future. I'll be there the whole step of the way. She goes, okay, daddy. Can you imagine going to the house of the woman that you took life from? The big door was open. They had a screen door. They rang the doorbell and the voice inside said, come on in. The couch is on the left. I got lemonade, nice tea. Shannon, with her head down, was thinking that must be a family friend, a relative. The man walked in, walked around the corner. He says, hey, I'm so glad you guys came. And he looked at everyone's face and he realized they didn't want iced tea. They didn't want lemonade. So he put the tray down. He sat on the coffee table and he goes, my name is Johnny. Are you Shannon? And she looked up weeping. And he said, I'm sorry, you have to do this. He said, but there's something I need to tell you. And this is what he said. My wife, her name is Marjorie. She loved Jesus. The Bible says to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. So I don't know, Shannon, why this happened to you. But I'm not one to wonder why. I just trust in the Lord with all my heart. And I want you to know, I forgive you. And Jesus loves you. And if you let me, I'll walk you through this. And I just want you to know everything's going to be all right. He said those words. They hugged and they started to leave. And Johnny grabbed the dad and whispered something. He said, I'll let you know. She tried to get back into her routine. She played basketball. It came time for the first game, home game. They did the starting lineups, and she was the last one they announced off the bench. When they announced her name, something happened. There were air horns that went off. Somebody had confetti guns that went off. And she looked up, and that man, Johnny, had three friends with him with confetti guns and air horns and signs saying, we love Shannon. And she looked up at him and they started laughing. He went to every game. They went to the playoff. He drove halfway across the state to watch that girl play. After basketball season, still in her life. He went to the graduation with confetti guns and air horns. You can't do that at graduation. He got kicked out. If you're going to get kicked out, you might as well make a good scene. When they called her name, it went off, dude. And they like, could you please be removed from the auditorium? He's gone, dude. Came time for her to go to college. 
he called her dad and said, look, I got an F-150 pickup. We can put all her stuff in the back. I'll follow you. I'll help you set up her room. Y'all say goodbye. Just let us help you. He goes, absolutely. When they got it all set up and it was time to go, she hugged her mom. She hugged her dad. Then she hugged Johnny. And she said, thank you, Uncle Johnny. How do you go from killing someone's wife to being called Uncle Johnny? By the time she was a sophomore, she was starting. She fell in love with a boy. It didn't go well. So she called Uncle Johnny. She didn't want to bother her dad. And he says, I'll take care of it. So Uncle Johnny had a couple of boys who were not as saved as a Let's just say they handled their business when they went to visit college days, all right? Junior year, she called and said, Johnny, something's wrong with my mom and dad. They're yelling. They fight, fight all the time. Can you check up on them? He says, I will. He called her back. It was about noon. said, hey, I'm almost at school. Your last class is at 3.30. Can I take you to dinner? It's all good. I just got to tell you something. They sit down at dinner, and she says, what happened? What happened? She says, well, there's something that you need to know about your parents, and that's this. I went to visit them this morning. They were both home. We sit for three hours, and at the end, let me show you. And he reached in his pocket, pulled out a New Testament. And he went to John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Then he went to, then he went to Romans 3, 23, 6, 23. Wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Then Romans 10, 9. Like my foster care dad said to me, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you will be saved. And she says, stop, stop, stop. I want Jesus. I want to know the Jesus you have. Everything's going to be all right. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for these people. Thank you for your hope. Thank you for your love. Thank you, God. We cannot change our past, but you, Jesus, can help us change our future. In your name I pray. Everybody say amen. amen. Hey, I got two things. I got two minutes and 30 seconds. Beautiful. Number one, you're going through a hard time, very difficult time, and you need God to come through. I don't know I don't know who you are. I don't know where you are, but I'm just here to tell you God can come through for you. But the Bible says in Matthew, if you declare me before men, I'll declare you before my Father in heaven. So real fast, you got about 15 seconds to do this. If you're going through something real difficult and you say, Reggie, pray for me, I want you to stand up. you got 15 seconds, 14, 13, 12, 11, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, Five, four, three, in Jesus' name, one. Hey, you know what? Some of you stood up, thought you'd be the only one. Look around the room. Everybody struggles, but guess what? We have one great God, and he's here. If you can, stretch your hands towards somebody who's standing. If it's a family member, put your hand on their shoulder. If everybody in your row standing, you look at them and say, you pray for me, I'll pray for you. Jesus, I pray right now in the name of Jesus Christ that your hope would flood this room. God, before this day ends, before the sun sets tonight, let hope be huge in this room. Give them the answer that they need. And God, while it's still coming, let us trust in you because you're screaming to us, everything's going to be all right. Let that be our cry. Let it be our cry today. Jesus, thank you for helping us. Everybody say amen. amen. You may be seated. Last, last but not least. Hey, do you know him? Do you know my Jesus? 
I don't belong teaching kids. I don't belong doing programs. I don't belong having what people in the world called a status. But if it wasn't for Jesus, there's somebody this morning you're struggling. Give your life to Jesus. How do I do that? I just came to help you. I hate surprises, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to say a prayer. I'm going to ask a question. And then you're going to have to make a move. Got it? We're going to say a prayer. I'm going to ask a question. You've got to make a move. So the prayer, I'm going to have everybody say it with me. Everybody say, all right, all right, all right. I want to hear this prayer that loud. If you are here and you're a sinner, if you're here and you're saying, Reggie, I need that. I need everything to be all right. I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to start that journey with Christ. You're going to say this prayer with me. Mean it from the bottom of your heart. But guess what? We're all going to do it together. Why? They call Christians saints. But every saint got a past and every sinner needs a future. And this is where those roads collide. Right here, right now. Are y'all ready? You can bow your head if you want. But everybody say, Jesus, this is my morning. I'm choosing you to be Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sin. I'm sorry that I turned to something other than you. But today, I choose Jesus. Amen. Amen. That's our prayer. Now, here's my question. Who did it? Who said that prayer this morning? You know that when you walked in this room, you were separated from God. But you said that prayer. If that's you, I'm here doing a youth camp. I don't know if y'all know. And your kids are coming tomorrow. So I'm going to treat you like I treat kids, all right? Every head up, every eye open, everybody looking around. You don't have to stand up. You're going to have to crawl over your friends to come down here. But if you got right with God this morning, for somehow you got to this church and you know you needed to be saved. You know you needed that prayer. You know you have sin in your life. You know you're living wrong. But you said that prayer a minute. I found out something happens when you go public for Jesus Christ. Something switches. Something clicks. Something supernatural. Praying is spiritual. Moving is physical. I believe in moments like this, if you do something spiritual and physical, the supernatural can break out in your life, all right? And listen to me, you ain't doing something another Christian in this room hasn't already done. So I'm going to simply start at 25 and work down to zero like a rocket taking off. By the time I get to zero, whoever's standing right here, you're just saying, I came to church. I needed to get right with God. I said that prayer a minute. I ain't afraid to go public with Jesus. And I want Reggie to pray for me before he ends the service. You got 25 seconds to get to me if that's you. 24, 23, 22. 21, 20, 19, 18, 17, 16, 15, 14, 13, 12, 11. Oh, come on, church. 10. Yes, 9, 8, 7, 6. Five, four, three, in Jesus' name, two. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God. All heaven is rejoicing right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Proud of you. Proud of you. 
Everybody stop, stop. Pastor's going to come in a minute, but look, I got to do this. I got to do this. You, hi, I do this a lot. I, I try not to, but I like taking naps. And if I don't do what God tells me, I don't get to take a nap on a Sunday. Bro, they're driving me back up that mountain. I don't want to open my eyes. So I'm going to take a nap. Uh, you came up front and you hugged the pastor's wife. And then you turned and walked in there right then. I started praying for you. You stood right there. You didn't even look at me, but God said, this is her day. This is her day. This is her moment. This is her time. And I don't know why you came and hugged her, but I have preached this entire sermon for the ears of one person. And now she's here, but not just her. Come on, man. Look, I'm going to say a prayer. Look, you didn't come to a man. You came to a king. And it ain't me. His name is Jesus. Come on, I'm the son of a prostitute, but look what he did. And if he did it for me, he's going to do it for you. This isn't the end of your journey. It's just the beginning, all right? Just the beginning. You don't have to repeat this. Stretch your hands toward these people. Hey, I got, I'm, oh, I went a minute over. Hey, before I pray, is there some people who love God so much, you just want to stand close to somebody who's getting right with God, and you're willing to come down and just say, I just want to stand with them. I just want them to know they're not by themselves. Can you come real fast, just real fast? I don't care where you at. Just come real fast. Say, I'm going to stand with you. I'm going to stand. I want these people. This is the kind of church the bridge is. You ain't never going to be alone again. You're never going to be alone again. They're going to cover you. They're with you. They got you. So let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for what's happening this morning. I thank you for what you're doing in this room. God, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would just absolutely finish what you started. God, we cannot change our past, but you could change our future. We cannot change yesterday, but you change today and the rest of our life. God, let hope rise up. God, I pray for people here who are down front who have not slept. Let them sleep tonight. And when they wake up, let them know it's because today they made a choice to follow Jesus. God, lead us. Show us how to live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, everybody that came forward just a moment ago. You guys hang tight for a minute, okay? Hang tight if you came forward. Hey, what an amazing morning this has been. Can we give it up and say a big, big thank you to Reggie for being here today? This has been a fantastic day in the house, and we're going to conclude here in just a moment. I want to say one last thing before everybody goes. Reggie was planning on bringing resources this morning. He has resources that you can get on Amazon. Please go online, look up Reggie's resources. On, just, just search his name, Reggie Dabs, right there and find his resources because he's got some amazing stuff he had planned on bringing today, and we want to bless him as well. But hey, if you have been blessed this morning, can we put our hands together and welcome some people into God's family today? We've gone a few extra minutes this morning, but I'd say it was worth it. Anybody else? Amen. Hey, God bless you guys. We dismiss you today. I want to chat with everybody that came forward this morning just for a couple of moments. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful Sunday.